There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on v It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. It is a numbers game. Final show of the calendar year. Happy New Year to you. It is Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay here as well. VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app. Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. So glad you could be with us today. Uh, Vinny Maliulo will join us for his standard Friday segment uh, later on in the show. Paul Carr, if you want some uh, Premier League action, we got it for you. Paul Carr with a uh, trifecta of picks. Trio, trifecta, coming up later on the show. Dr. Bob makes his appearance today with his final thoughts on the national semifinals. Don't know if he has a play. He's just going to break both games down, and then you can roll with the information how you please. And again, these have not moved really that much. We see some Alabama 14s now today, uh, but 13 and a half still in most places on Bama in uh, the national semis today against Cincinnati. Would any, Jeff, good morning to you, first of all, would any of the four outcomes, not talking about wins, losses here, but talking about spreads, would any of the four outcomes surprise you in the least bit? Georgia, Michigan, or Alabama, Cincinnati, against the number. If we're talking about the number, nothing would surprise me, no. If we're talking about outright results, if Cincinnati beat Alabama, all-time shocker to me. Oh, that would surprise me. That That would get my attention, Jeff Parlay. That would get my attention. How about yesterday? Um, yesterday, I don't know what order you want to do these in, but first of all, it's South Carolina. Let's do them in chronological order yesterday. South Carolina with the uh, outright upset of uh, Sam Howell and, and the heels of North Carolina. By the way, how much damage has Sam Howell done to his draft stock along the way? Pretty good amount. Pretty good amount. Is that bad advice? Maybe you should have just opted out of this one. South Carolina from the get-go. It was 14-0 before we got out of the studio yesterday. And then only started about 25 minutes before we got out of here yesterday. South Carolina wins at 38-21 outright as a plus 375 dog. Uh, then Tennessee Purdue. And this is where the this is where the ridiculous sort of outcomes of bets parade began. If you had Tennessee first half minus four and a half, oh, oh boy. Uh, I'm raising my hand, by the way. Hendon Hooker with the uh, fumble with about 30 seconds left. Turned that field over. Purdue got the uh, game-winning score. After, uh, game, I should say half-winning score. Get, get out of the betting mindset for a second. They, they end up covering the half, do the Boilermakers, after Tennessee was covering that comfortably. What were they up, 14 at one point, Jeff? What was it? I believe at one point in that half. I can't even remember now. But either way... Purdue it was sort 12, of 12, right? 12, It was maybe. a weird score because Purdue kept kicking field goals. Kept kicking field goals. 
And then again, then that last turn of events, ridiculous. Uh, and then the end of this game, which this game was drunk. It was, they scored four touchdowns. Both teams did, uh, both teams scored two apiece. There was four touchdowns scored in the last five minutes and 16 seconds of this football game in regulation. And it went to 45 to 45, Purdue, Tennessee. Uh, went to overtime. And Tennessee, on their first possession of overtime, on fourth and goal, looks to have stretched. They look to have stretched the ball over the goal line. Now, we were on primetime action. So we don't have the, we didn't have the benefit of audio, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin, and I. And so we're watching this, and I'm trying to interpret. We, like, killed the whole segment. It was the worst segment we've ever done in our lives because we were trying to do some other bit. <laughs> that, but this game kept prolonging itself. We're like, what's happening here? Um, and so we're trying to determine, wait a minute. He must have been stopped. His progress must have been stopped or the whistle must have blown because they're not giving him the touchdown because clearly the back had not hit the ground, was on top of a body, stretched it over. And then you saw Josh Heupel just going crazy in an official's face, and you knew this was not going Tennessee's way. Purdue ends up kicking the game-winning field goal after, of course, Tennessee goes scoreless on their first possession in overtime. But what a shame. What a shame that a game like that, a 45-45 game, ends on some controversy like that. And so we were, we were trying to determine what it was, and so then we were looking for help with people who actually had the audio of this game. Uh, and this is Chris Felica, the Bear, with his tweets yesterday on the subject. Uh, Chris Felica equally, because we had him on primetime, I was like, oh, we have Felica next, we'll ask for clarification. And the first words out of his mouth were, I hope you're not asking me for clarification of what just happened. So essentially what it is is that he was under the impression, we could throw up the tweet whenever you guys are ready, he was under the impression that you uh, – you couldn't review something if, if forward progress had been stopped, but apparently they did review it, and it was just nothing was consistent about it because if you did review it, then it was clearly a touchdown. And so everything was everything, – nothing made sense with that, nothing whatsoever. Here it is. I guess this game wouldn't be complete without a replay controversy. This is Felica talking or tweeting. I didn't think you could review once they said forward progress was stopped, but if you were able to review that, he clearly was on top of the Purdue player and the ball was stretched over the goal line. Then he tweets because he, he himself was looking for further clarification. He says, now I'm even more confused. Not hard, I know. Booth told the crew once forward progress called, that's it, yet it was still reviewed. None, none of it made sense. Anyway, Purdue gets home. Uh, money line, dog winner on the Boilermakers. Uh, and uh, then the night continues. Then it was then it was the Pitt-Michigan State game. And if you had Michigan State in the first half, what a, what a tough loss that was because Michigan State is just, I mean, Pittsburgh's doing nothing. Pittsburgh down to their third-string quarterback, Bevel, and they're just doing nothing. Sparty throws a pick. You know, about the 20-yard line, right around the 20-yard line of Pitt, late in the first half. And they're only up a field goal at this point, 10-7. to 7. Pittsburgh matriculates the ball down the field. Lickety split, 14-10 to 10 at the half. Pittsburgh gets the first half money. And at the end of the game, Pittsburgh's up 21-10 to start the fourth quarter. Michigan State comes roaring back. By the way, Pitt had the ball down three, driving late, and a pick six from Bevel. So, you know, so many of these are just... What's, what's your line, Jeff? College football. Go ahead and say it. It is what it is. It is especially is <laughs> really? it is what it is when we don't even know who's playing in these games. It really is. It's unbelievably ridiculous. And at Wisconsin, by the way, if you were on Wisconsin last night, on Wisconsin, 
they end up somehow backpedaling their way to only a seven-point victory against Arizona State after dominating the Sun Devils in the first half. And then Wisconsin just sort of couldn't do anything in the second half. They did have the ball late, and it was one of these long, there's like six-plus minutes on the clock. They just used all of it down to the end. Uh, decided not to kick a field goal at the end. Why would they? They were trying to, you know, time out the clock so that they wouldn't have to do anything, wouldn't rub it in. But then they went ahead and they just ran the football on the last play, which I thought was pretty amusing because uh, it looked like for a second Wisconsin might get some garbage touchdown. But in the end, Wisconsin wins 20-13. to 13. If you got the worst of the number, if you let it get above the seven, eh, yeah, it's tough, tough. It's tough for you. But there were earlier numbers where Wisconsin would have covered. But it did close at nine. So if you were if you were late, Arizona State got the money. Um, so that was your college football day in a nutshell. Today, Jeff, obviously before the national championship games, I almost, you know, we were talking before the show. If I didn't have these bets in pocket from initially when those lines came out for the national semis, would I like those games better today or the or the ones beforehand? I think the games beforehand. So today starts again two games. Rutgers, Wake Forest. Remember, Rutgers wasn't supposed to be here. I still have no explanation as to how Greg Schiano was able to uh, just call everybody up on the team and uh, have them randomly come back from home, or were they all just practicing anyway? But Rutgers is up against Wake Forest. Wake Forest scores a ton of points, gives up a ton of points, but Rutgers isn't exactly scaring anybody. This is 17 and a hook now? (laughs) Oh, my God. There is not a penny being bet, apparently, on Rutgers. 17 and a half is not the point of resistance on this. Wake could roll them by about a million. It is possible. You like this? You would, I, I, mean, I would only bet Rutgers at this, but I don't, even know I don't if think I could. I'm going to. Yeah. Because I don't know if I could. Ru- Rutgers trying to slow down. If, if we, This is another one of those where hopefully Wake fully cares still because it's the best bowl they played in a lot. Played in, in it, a whole bunch of years. They were in an Orange Bowl a few it, it, about a decade ago, but it's been a while since they've been in a bowl game of of this stature uh, since that Orange Bowl. But man, seventeen and a half is a pretty giant number yeah. there, Gil. So would have been Texas A&M at Wake instead. It's Rutgers Wake uh, Sun Bowl. Then the Gator Bowl. Oh no, that's the Gator Bowl. Pardon me. Now the Sun Bowl. Central Michigan in for Miami against Wazoo. How is this still seven? This hasn't moved at all. You give Central Michigan that kind of respect, or would you bet Wazoo here? If Wazoo cares, just like we said the previous game, if Wake Forest cares, they should roll them, right? Question mark? I mean, they should they should handle them. The only problem is the Pac-12 has really looked terrible this bowl season. And even though the MAC has looked terrible also. I was so, say, what are you? I mean, it's just one of those where we're hopefully we're playing amateur psychologist here, Gil, and you hope that Wazoo shows, and if they do, they should be able to cover seven. Yeah. Washington State, obviously, with the whole coaching ridiculousness, uh, ridiculousness with uh, Nick Rolovich, Jake Dickert, full-time head man. They kept winning after the coaching uh, shenanigans. Central Michigan with uh, their star running back, Lou Nichols, in the game today, 1,710 yards, 15 touchdowns. That's 1,710 nationwide. But, of course... You're playing in the MAC, so there's obviously that uh, calculus to make. Uh, I will tell you what I'm on, just like I told you yesterday. I was on, uh, I was on Wisconsin. I was on Pitt, but I also had Pitt first half, thankfully. And I was on Tennessee first half. I was part of that first half 
bad beat. Um, I am on. I, I'm I'm taking both the favorites early. I'm, I went Wake Forest earlier when it was uh, a little lower than this, and I have uh, I do have Wazoo minus seven. From the beginning, I have had from the from the moment those lines came out, I have Alabama minus thirteen and a half. I have Michigan plus seven and a half. I don't really know how I feel about that Alabama play right now. We're showing fourteen at the South Point. Still a lot of thirteen and a halves out there. We will get. The final and definitive word from Dr. Bob about the national semis next. Through the prism of his predictive models, where he comes down on these games, both sides and totals, is there a play, is there not? What does he think about New Year's Day also? Coming back, Numbers Game, Visa, the Sports Betting Network. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Numbers game proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Happy New Year to you and yours. Hope you have a safe uh, New Year. Jeff, you a New Year's guy, by the way? New Year's Eve guy? Happy Saturday tomorrow. There you go. That's pretty much how I roll with it. Football season is here, and it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It is Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. Start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4700. Ladies and gentlemen, this gentleman is a pioneer in using predictive algorithms, uh, modeling to predict the outcome of sporting events. He's been doing it for years and years and years. Probably doesn't want me to say it that way. It's Bob Stoll. Dr. Bob, how you doing, Bob? Good. I'm young at heart, Gil. I know you are. I know you are. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you rambling through that promotion as fast as possible to give me more time. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> You're on to me. Uh, by the way, drbobsports.com, at drbobsports on Twitter. Here we are, Bob. We're finally to the uh, to the national semis. Mm-hmm. I should probably ask you about the uh, two games beforehand, too. 
Um, but let's start with the semis themselves, beginning with Alabama and Cincinnati. And what your numbers tell us about this game? I'm going to skim over this one because there's no value at all. I, I, the, I did all the math, made the adjustments, <laughs> and came up with Alabama by 13.7 with a total of 57.5. That is about as close wow. to being on market as possible. So, uh, and there, there wasn't anything particularly interesting about this game as far as oh, Al, you know, Cincinnati didn't do as well against good teams, or Alabama might struggle against the you know, nothing like that. I mean, out. Yeah, the, the one thing I will point out is that. When Alabama, Alabama probably won't be able to run that well. They're, they're a pretty mediocre running team, and, and Cincinnati stops the run. But the thing about that is, is when Alabama can't run, they might be more dangerous because then they're just throwing the ball, um, which Georgia found out you know, yeah. is not a good thing. When not they're good. throwing it 50 times a game, that's not a good thing. And Mechie being out was the other, was it, you know, I looked at that. His, you know, he averages 8.8, 8.9, something like that, 8.8 or 8.9 yards per target. That's not very good for an Alabama offense. I and mean, that's even whether the worst on the team. So I know he gets double teamed a lot, but 8.8 yards per target for a lead receiver is not that good. And that just means more targets for Jameis Williams, who averages 13.5 yards per target. So Jameson Williams is the star of that receiving core. And no Mechie means more targets for Williams. So I don't think Mechie being out makes a difference. Um, and I, 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 I factored in that, that Alabama will throw more than they normally do in a game like this, uh, and still only got Bama by 13.7. So I think the line is right, basically. Yeah, 13.7. We're toggling between 13.5 and, and 14 right now, and 57.5, exactly. dead on the current total. Right. All right. right. So there's nothing in that game. Nothing at all. Then there's Georgia-Michigan. Georgia, favored by 7.5, total 45.5. What about this one? Yeah, this one's interesting. Now, my math came out pretty close. I have Georgia by 7.1 and 45.7, but I do think there might be an edge here. I think Michigan is more likely to outperform the math than uh, Georgia will. Um, Wolverines played relatively better against better teams. Georgia played relatively worse against better teams. Uh, Michigan's two worst game grades, and the game grade is, you know, their statistics computed into points and adjusted for how strong their opponent was and, and where the game was, home, road, neutral. Uh, the two worst game grades that Michigan had were Rutgers, who they barely beat, and Washington, who they beat handily, but they didn't play that well from the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the staff would only project a, a five-and-a-half-point win against in Washington. Uh, Washington ended up being terrible. They were four and eight. So their two worst games were against Rutgers and Washington. The three of their top four game grades for Michigan were against Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Iowa. The last two of those were the last two games. So they're playing really well now and proved it against good teams. Now, Georgia's highest game grades this year were against UAB, Vanderbilt, and Georgia Tech. Now, the three lowest game grades they had, by far the three lowest game grades they had, were against Clemson, Florida, and Alabama, all teams with a lot of talent. So I dug into this a little bit. I was like, all right, where is Georgia not as good relatively against better teams? Now, obviously, they couldn't stop Alabama, but Georgia's defense is great, and they did really well against some other really good offensive teams like Tennessee, and they played, they played a few really good offensive teams and they basically shut those teams down. So that one game against Alabama could be an aberration. So I'm not going to say that Georgia's defense can't handle a good offense because I think they can. What I found was that Stetson Bennett had trouble against relative trouble against good pass defenses. And for the season, his numbers were great. He averaged 9.4 yards per pass play, which is 3.2 yards per pass play better than what an average quarterback would have done against the same teams that he faced. 
However, he averaged 13 yards per pass play against UAB, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Charleston Southern, and Georgia Tech. So he basically lit up bad teams, which skewed his average a little bit. Now, against the good pass defenses that he faced, which would be Auburn, Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, and Arkansas before they lost their All-American safety cattle on Arkansas had a good pass defense, and he faced them then. So against those five teams, he averaged 7.1 yards per pass. Play. That's still good because those teams would, would allow 5.3 to a normal quarterback. So being 1.8 yards per pass play better than average is perfectly fine, but his overall rating was plus 3.2. So relatively, he was worse against the better pass defenses he faced. And I saw something on Sports Center that was interesting. Against pressure, Bennett has a QBR of 21, which is really low. And when he's not being pressured, his QBR is 92. Now, obviously, there's better pass defenses. We're able to pressure him. And, and Michigan has an elite pass rushing duo of Hutchinson and Ajaba, um, Ajabu. So, um, you know, those guys, 25 sacks and 20 quarterback hurries combined. So if Michigan can get pressure with the front four, I think, it, you know, Bennett could struggle. Um, and they should be able to run the ball. Okay, I just think that they're more likely to underperform the math. Uh, in this game, and Michigan seems to be getting better. Um, and, and one thing I found when I first looked at this game, I thought, God, Michigan, they're going to struggle against this Georgia defense. They won't be able to run because no one runs on Georgia. And I thought, I didn't think McNamara could handle carrying the offense. But then I started looking into it, and he, I think he can. Uh, when Michigan's run defense was stopped, McNamara played fine. Um, in, the, in, the, in the five games in which they were held to four and a half yards per rushing player less, Michigan. Uh, McNamara played fine. He averaged seven yards of pass play against an elite Wisconsin defense. He averaged 6.5 yards per pass play against a very good Penn State pass defense. And in the other two games, they got held to, to 4.5 yards per run or less. Um, he lit up Michigan State and Maryland for 8.7 yards per pass play each. So he actually did play pretty well against teams that stopped the run. And that's kind of opposite of what I thought. I thought, oh, well, he, without the play action pass, he's going to struggle. But that wasn't it at all. McNamara got better as the season went on. So I, I had pretty good faith that he'll have decent numbers in this game. Although, you know, I only have him, you know, scoring 17, you know, 18, 19 points somewhere in that down the math. So, but I think he can, he can perform to that level where Georgia's offense is likely to underperform the math. So even though the math favored Georgia by 7.1, I do lean slightly with Michigan and wouldn't be surprised at all if they won the game straight up based on how, you know, Georgia struggled against better defenses. That was an awesome dissertation on this football game. Um, interesting. So, and, I, and it sort of corroborates what I'm feeling about both of these games. I'm, I'm, I feel much better about that side than I do about anything in Alabama, Cincinnati. What, anything on the first two games today, Bob, at all? Um, yeah, a, a little bit of a lean with, with Central Michigan. And that, that's only because I think there's some things with Washington State that aren't being factored in. And I don't think there's tons of, you know, empirical line value here, but you know, Washington State's top two running backs are out. Borgie's uh, gone on ACL. I don't know, but he's a pretty good all-around back and average five and a half yards per run. The backup, Dion McIntosh, didn't travel with the team. That leaves Nakia Watson as their running back. Now, he's didn't really run the ball that often this year and only averaged 2.7 yards per run when he did, but Watson has 146 career career runs only 3.9 yards per run in his career and 146 runs. That's a huge drop-off in the running game. But Washington still probably throw more because of that, and that's fine because you want Delora throwing the ball because he's had a really good season, and, and Central Michigan doesn't defend the pass that well. 
So I do think Washington State, you know, can score a good number of points. But Central Michigan is much better with with uh, with since their quarterback change. Daniel Richardson really made the offense go after he took over for Jacob Sermon. Uh, sort of week five, week six, he took over, and since then Central Michigan's only lost one game. So they've played better since then. The math only favors Washington 6.2, so it's not a ton of line value. The line is seven, but the situation here favors. Uh, Central Michigan uh, Bulldogs with seven or more are generally good in in minor bowl games. In general, it's like 58% blind going back 30 something years. Um, but especially the case when you get a team from a minor conference playing a team from one of the Big Five conferences, which is the case here. So, uh, you know, a little bit of odd circumstance with Central Michigan having to switch their bowl game and having to travel an extra day and blah blah blah. But I do I would lean a little bit with Central Michigan, but not a bet for me. All right, Bob, you have a few more minutes. Keep you after the break because I want to see if you have anything on Rutgers, Wake Forest, and then anything tomorrow. Might that be amenable not to sure. you? All right, let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Dr. Bob, everybody. Bob Stoll, predictive sports modeling pioneer at Sports on Twitter. Dr. Bob Sports, that's drbobsports.com. Um, not only a scholar, but a gentleman as well. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. We'll come back, uh, and we will get his interpretation of that. You like that Michigan dissertation there, Jeff? Maybe not a little bit inside my head. Uh, and outside as well. Coming back, Numbers Game Visa, the Sports Betting Network. A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Save 50% off a VSIN all access subscription for the rest of football season with our big game special. Get access to our in depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits showing you where the money's going on every game. Sign up today. You also get our daily best bet emails, weekly betting guides, 24 7 video, plus the College Bowl betting guide, still very applicable these next two days, covered every bowl game for only $39 at vsin.com slash subscribe. It's Gil Alexander. Dr. Bob is with us. Uh, when you get your, uh, when we when we come up with the VSIN Plus Plus subscription, uh, you can get our uh, off the air conversations. Those are colorful as well. Um, that's something to look forward to. Bob, good to have you back. I'm curious if you have anything on the first game, which starts an hour from now. People, people should know. Actually, it's an hour or a half hour from now. Uh, between Wake Forest and half hour from now, right, Jeff? Yeah. About to kick off in less than 30 minutes. Wake Forest and Rutgers. Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights, a replacement team here. And this, this line is now 17 and a half, Bob. Yeah, and this is a hard one to pick. I mean, the math comes up around 14 and a half, which is where it opened. But there's been no information on which Rutgers players are not going to play. I mean, a lot of these, they're, they're, you know, some of these guys had surgery after the season. Yes. And those guys aren't playing. And some of the guys didn't come back, apparently. But no one is saying. And, and the it, practices may have been close. No one knows. I've been, I'm so I glad you're saying internet. this. Because this is the one thing that no one has been able to explain. Like, how did they get these guys all like, oh, yeah, Rutgers can just go over there now. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah, a lot of a lot of them were fired up. I read some stuff. Guys were on trips, and they came back from Australia, and this guy came back from a ski vacation. And they're all fired up about it. I believe that. But they only had two days of practice in, in New Jersey before they made the trip, and maybe they've had a day of practice here. But no one knows. No, I cannot figure. I cannot. I mean, someone knows, but I don't, no, one's, no one's talking about who's not playing. I, I have no idea. So it's really hard to wrap my head around it. And you take three, basically three and a half, four weeks off of not playing football at all, and then they come back and get two practices. So even though the math favors, you know, Wake Forest by 14 and a half, 17, that's a legitimate line. I don't think that's really out of hand. This could be a total blowout, or Wake Forest could be like, oh, 
shoot, we were going to play Texas A&M and get to prove ourselves, and now we get to play Rutgers? Give me a break. They may not care. I mean, and double-digit dogs are 5-0 and against the spread so far in bowl games. Three of the five won straight up. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I wouldn't touch this game. I mean, you know, if you know something I don't know, go ahead. But this is a gamble. This game is a gamble. So I'm not, I'm not touching it. And Bob doesn't like to gamble, if you know what I mean. Um, I like to gamble. I like to invest. There you go. Love it. Uh, five games tomorrow, New Year's Day. The only American, uh, North American sport where everybody's sort of cool with two meaningful national semis being played and then five random games the next day. And we're like, yeah, cool, no problem. It's normal. Uh, so we have it started with Penn State, Arkansas, first thing in the morning. Uh, that would be the Outback Bowl. Arkansas, good little team, favored by two here in this one, total at 48, anything. Yeah, this is the only game I'm going to talk about because the other ones I haven't finalized, and a couple of those are going to be bets for me. I haven't released them yet, but I did release a best bet on this game. I took the over. It was 47 when I gave it out. It's up to 48 and a half, and I still like the over. I predict 54 total points. A couple things going on here. Arkansas, both, both top receivers for these teams opted out. I don't, I don't think Penn State's you know, receiver opting out is that big of a deal. He, his, you know, Dotson's numbers weren't up that much better than the rest of the team. But, Tra- but Traylon Burks opting out for Arkansas is a big deal. He averaged 12.3 yards per target, which is among the best in the country. Even for a team that doesn't throw the ball a lot, that's a huge deal because the rest of the receivers for Arkansas combined for 8.6 yards a target, which is pretty mediocre for wide receivers. A huge difference, even though they don't throw it that much, it works out about two points per game that Burks is worth by him not being there. Uh, they still have a, a good offense, and you know, but, but, but I think what's not being in the line is that Nittany Lions, they lost five defensive players. Um, four of the top five of their defensive players are opting out. Uh, the, the defensive end, Abikati, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, nine and a half sacks, 18 tackles for loss total. No other player on Penn State had more than two sacks. And now you're losing a guy who's probably first-round NFL caliber. I don't know how they're going to get a pass rush. Um, plus, their top two linebackers, Brooks and Smith, are gone. They're going to the NFL. And safety Brisker's out. He's the number four tackler and had seven passes defended, which is really good for a strong safety. So they've lost a big chunk of their impact plays. And I don't think that I – have, I have ways of adjusting for that stuff, and I'm pretty good at adjusting for players being out. And I don't think the line really adjusted for the four, you know, those four uh, Nittany line defenders being out. The other thing that I don't think is in the line is that Arkansas's defense for the season was was pretty good, a little bit better than average. They were really good early in the season. They could really stop the pass. They have an All-American safety, Jalen Catalan. He got injured in the middle of the season. From that point on, Arkansas gave up so many big plays. Right in the middle of the game against Mississippi when Catalan got hurt, remember at the end of that game they couldn't stop Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And then it went on the next four or five games that three or four teams just lit them up. So – the back end of that Arkansas defense is much worse now than it was. So overall for the season, eh, not bad. Pass defense-wise, about average. But in the games without cattle on their pass defense, it was really bad. Um, and I don't think that's in the line either. Plus, um, Trey Williams has opted out. Um, and he's their best pass rusher. So I, I think there's some defensive injuries that aren't being factored in properly. Um, so I think the total's too low. So also another thing is Penn State, another reason the total's too low is Penn State on a points scored and points allowed per game was not very high. But if you look into some of the reasons why, 
their offense, which is better than average uh, overall, only averaged 4.5 points per red zone opportunity. That's bad. 4.9 is about what they should have averaged uh, offensively in the red zone. So they were worse than average uh, in red zone offense. But here's the thing. Their defense, as good as their defense is, they allowed only 3.4 points per red zone opportunity. That's extremely low. But they, they were number six or number seven in my defensive rankings. The top five best defensive teams in the nation, Georgia, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, Bama, and Clemson, those teams are elite, and they combine to give up four yards per red zone opportunity. So allowing 3.4 is a bit random, and, I, and they also I, – I just don't think they can maintain that. Um, so there's some variance in red zone defense. So their games were much lower scoring than they should have been uh, because of the red zone offense and red zone defense. So I think that's going to regress toward the mean a little bit. So there's a couple things going on here, regression to the mean in, in the Nittany Lions red zone offense and defensive scoring, which kept their games down. And the defensive players aren't being accounted for enough as far as I'm concerned. So uh, there's still some value in the over. And I, I, you know, I bet it up to 49 and it's, 48, 48 and 48, a half right now. So yeah, 48. Still some value that's... on the over, I think. So Beautiful. Uh, the, the other game that was like this that had a lot of defensive players opting out uh, that I didn't think was factored into the line properly was the Oregon-Oklahoma game, and that was the only best bet I've had in the bowls. That's Oregon. it so far? Or, that's it. I've had one best bet. It was the Oregon-Oklahoma over. Wow. And that went way over. So, and I think it's the same thing. I mean, there was a lot of defensive players out for you know, Oregon's number one draft pick. <laughs> He's out. And plus, there were, there, were, there were guys for Oklahoma, like three or four key guys for Oklahoma that were out. And, I don't, and it really didn't budge the line. Um, so so I, the, think this, I think the defensive players aren't being adjusted for enough in some of these games. So, so the Arkansas-Penn State over, just to clarify, is only your second best bet second, in bowls? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, the, one of them I had was the Memphis-Hawaii game uh, yeah. under, and that one got canceled. That yes. was my favorite bet of the bowls. And I, I bet it under 58.5, and, and it went down to 55. I was like, great, good closing line value. This is a winner. You know, and the weather was getting worse, and, I, you know, weather and – Hawaii in December was normally bad. So I, my favorite bowl best bet, it got canceled. I was like, great. I guess I'm just going to have to wait. Because <laughs> you know, every day I'm like doing the analysis, like nothing, 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 nothing. I had some strong opinions. I haven't done that well. But, uh, yeah, but, that, but that, should be, that should really be a lesson to people, though, right? Like just because they're there doesn't mean they have to bet them, right? That's the obvious first lesson. But the second thing is uh, these lines are kind of calibrated to where they ought to be, g- generally speaking. And we see that with some of the, uh, you know, coin flip, plinko kind of outcomes. Now, now you did hint, and I, I'm not going to pry because I respect it. You did hint that you might have a, a third and fourth best bet after the morning game between Arkansas and Penn State tomorrow. Um, and so I'm just going to ask for a, uh, a casual hint here. Is, blink twice if that Ohio State line is too short. Say something to me that gives me a hint. Uh, well, I, I think there, there could have been a little bit of an overreaction, uh, okay. but you know, they lost two, two NFL receivers. They did. <laughs> I think they that's why the line went down and Utah looked really good late in the year. And I think people are looking at like, Oh, Utah beat the crap out of Oregon twice. And Oregon beat Ohio State. No, please. Man, you, know, yeah. that, you know, that is not an analysis. I, yeah. I think Ohio State's the better team, and, you know, I, I certainly lean that way. I haven't, I haven't written it up yet. But What, what was um, that in geometry class? Was that the transitive property? What, what did yeah, you the call transitive it? property yes. of how to lose football bets, yes. I think. Is, <laughs> I believe that's what, what it was. That, that's what I got out of was. it anyway. Is that the transitive property of how to lose football bets? Dr. Bob, ladies and gentlemen. Bob, uh, Happy New Year. To, uh, to your lovely wife, to your kids. Uh, have a safe new year, man, and I hope to see you soon.
All right, buddy. Take care. Bob Stoll, everybody. Bob Stoll, S-T-O-L-O. It's uh, Dr. Bob Sports on Twitter. drbobsports.com is where you can check out all his work. Um, very persuasive. Very persuasive indeed. Uh, Jeff and I will talk NFL. We'll do some Megapod questions. The team most likely to lose outright of the big favorites. We'll do it in two tiers, actually. The game you want no part of. Favorite teaser legs. Best bets. We'll do all that. But first... The beautiful game, Premier League picks from Paul Carr next. Numbers game, VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard, and then on I'm top of it, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gil Alexander on v the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on New Year's Day. Simply place a $10 Moneyline wager on any sport to win $200 in free bets. Just use bonus code v 200 when you make your first bet. Enjoy the holiday like never before. And score big with the king of sports books. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code v 200 to win $200 in free bets when you bet on any sport on New Year's Day. Start the year off right. Discover why there's nothing like a win at BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotion subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Wake Forest up to 18 behind us, Jeff. Up to 18 here at the South Point. Uh, in their game against Rutgers, which is set to kick off in a little less than 15 minutes. Um, by the way, they just had a whole segment on uh, game day where, like, Felica's just eating the whole time. I am starving now all of a sudden. Good God. Here's a guy who's probably seen Chris Felica eat a time or two. It's Paul Carr, everybody, from True Media Networks. Also, of course, the Expected Value podcast. Worked at ESPN for many, many years. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. Very few people know just restaurants, how to order the right places to go, as Chris Felica does. Ah, connoisseur of the food. I yep. really got to stop showing that on TV. Um, yeah, I know. So we do have, while all of this is going on, bowl season, national semis tonight, week 17 of the NFL. Jeff and I haven't even gotten around to talking about that yet. We'll do it at the top of the hour. 
But the Premier League, quietly, and I do mean quietly here stateside, is pretty much approaching the halfway point of the season here, right? Yeah, yeah, this is the crazy holiday season. It's been a even crazier in some ways because I think they've postponed 18 games now so far this month for various COVID reasons. But yeah, these teams all jam in. You know, a lot of leagues in Europe take time off. You know, the Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga take two weeks plus off over this time. And the Premier League goes the other way. They're like, all right, we're going to jam more games in for this festive holiday season. And yes, yeah, so we're right smack in the middle of that. Or it's coming near the end of it as we hit New Year's tomorrow. Okay, so three weeks ago, we had much different numbers than this now, didn't we? Yeah. To win it all. Yeah. Explain. Three weeks ago. So three weeks ago, City was about minus 150 or so, and you were looking at uh, plus 400, plus 500 or so for Chelsea and Liverpool. Because uh, Chelsea's been in first place most of this season so far, even if the underlying numbers suggested they probably weren't quite as good as City and Liverpool. And in the last three weeks or so, it's caught up with Chelsea for sure. They're scuffling a lot. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, so they've you know, dropped off the pace, so to speak, uh, had a ton of injuries. Uh, Liverpool's really playing just about as well as City, but they've had some bad luck. You know, they had a big a draw or a loss rather to Leicester last week when they outshot them. I think it was 27 to 6, 24 to 6, uh, that kind of thing. So Liverpool's dropped some points and City's just been a machine. They've won 10 straight. Uh, they're out shooting opponents by an average of like 20 to 7 over those games. So, you know, they're winning all those games that, you know, you kind of have to win. They're beating the mid-table, the lower half of the table teams. They just haven't blinked. Liverpool's blinked. Chelsea's blinked several times. And so all of a sudden, the city's like minus 700, minus 800 uh, to win the title. They're a huge yeah. favorite. They've got, I think it's an eight-point lead uh, right now at the halfway point, And they're deeper and better than everyone else has been this month. Yeah, eight-point lead slightly past the halfway point. They've played 20 games, as has Chelsea. 50 points for Man City, 42 for Chelsea. And there are the uh, EPL title odds. Manchester City minus 800 at BetMGM. Liverpool plus 750. Chelsea 16 to one and then everybody else triple digits and, and one other thing i want to throw out there january is the africa cup of nations which is africa's continental championship it's their equivalent of euros or the gold cup or it's copa america and it's mid-season but these premier league teams still have to release players so liverpool is not going to have Mohamed salah sadio mane navi kaita uh, Chelsea's not going to have their keeper, Eduardo Mende, for at least a couple weeks after this set of games this weekend. And City only loses Riyad Mahrez, who's a really good player and probably a starter most of the time for them, but they have plenty of depth to replace them. So that's another factor. Liverpool's not going to have a couple of their big guns for you know two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month uh, as they have to go play in the African Cup of Nations. Let me just ask you about that market just to win it all. I mean, is there even a bet there at this point, Paul? Or, or you... I, I, I can't imagine one. You know, if Liverpool yeah. were healthy or not healthy, but if they had everybody for the next month, I mean, I could see taking a shot on them at plus 750 or so. But, I mean, I don't. I, I guess if you think City's going to come back to earth, if you think Liverpool can kind of steady the ship for this next month while they're missing a couple players, and then maybe the ball starts bouncing their way a little bit more, I, I guess I could you know, kind of fuzzily see making a Liverpool play. But, you know, for me at least, I have a Liverpool future from before the season, so that's not something uh, I'm looking to add to at this point. That, that's the only thing I could possibly justify if I were really squinting hard. Maybe if you're really squinting hard. All right, couple plays tomorrow. What do you got tomorrow first? Yeah, so I'm going to start uh, with Tottenham at Watford. I'm taking Tottenham to win. I got this at minus 140 a couple days ago. I think it's a little shorter now, so I'd play it probably down to about minus 160 or so. Tottenham's been pretty good the last month. They've probably been the fourth best team in the league under new manager Antonio Conte since he took over and kind of stabilized that ship. Uh, they've got the fourth best expected goal difference in the league in that span. And just look at their last three games. They drew with Liverpool. Might have deserved a win in that game. They dominated Crystal Palace, which is 
a decent team. And they drew at Southampton 1-1 despite outshooting uh, the Saints 21-9, had I think two and a half expected goals to less than a half for Southampton. So they're playing pretty well. Uh, Watford's just not good at all. They're 17th in the league, uh, fourth worst expected goal difference. They've lost five straight. So, you know, this is relatively straightforward. Take the, the good team, the better team, the deeper team, especially in this busy season. Uh, take them to win even on the road. So minus 140 my price, and I play it down to minus 160 or so. All right. These are all the appetizers, by the way, before we get to yeah. the uh, to the main event on Sunday. The second yep. of the appetizers on Saturday. Yeah, Crystal Palace West Ham. This is a kind of a sneaky good game. Uh, both these teams are you know top half type of teams. Uh, West Ham's been kind of the fourth best team for a time this year, although they've stumbled a little bit lately. And Palace, you know, some of the underlying numbers suggest they're in that top five, six teams, even though I think they're around 10th in the standings. Uh, but I'm taking to over two and a half here at minus 115. Both teams are really going to see this, I think, as a chance for three points. West Ham needs to get a win to kind of keep up in that top four, top, top six race. Palace is at home. Uh, they're going to expect to do well here. Four straight Palace games have had three plus goals. Uh, two Last two games for West Ham have each had five goals. Five of the last seven have had uh, two and a half plus expected goals. So uh, both teams are also missing defenders. So I think this game will tend to be open. Both teams go for it. I like the over two and a half here. All right. And then the game of the week, uh, second yeah. and third place teams in the Premier League playing each other, Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, Let's be honest. There's no must win games when you're at the halfway point of the season. Having said that they're down eight points and nine points to man city. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you got to cut into that any way you can. So then this is not an elimination game or anything like that, but there's elements of it. We talked about how both teams are losing players for the cup of nations. So it's important kind of with the last first choice lineup, last game with the first choice lineup to try and do something. Uh, and we mentioned Chelsea scuffling over the last month, a lot of injuries, you know, Christian Pulisic, who's really a winger, has been playing as a striker for Chelsea. And now he's probably going to play wing back because they're missing a ton of defenders. Thiago Silva, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Andreas Christensen, all probably uh, going to miss this game. So Chelsea's just beset by injuries. And Liverpool really is still rolling, I think, for the most part. They did not look great at Tottenham a couple weeks ago. Uh, but like I said, they lost 1-0 at Leicester on Tuesday, but they outshot them 21-6. to That was one of those games where you know Leicester was just able to hold the fort. Uh, so I'm less worried about Liverpool. They've got their big guns for this game. Salah and company are here. So I like Ch Liverpool on the road, getting plus money, plus 130, uh, the price for me. I just think, again, Chelsea, too many injuries, too much going on. They're going to try to, again park the bus probably and kind of hang on like they did against Liverpool in August when they were down a man for a good chunk of the game. But I think Liverpool's just got too much firepower. So get him plus money. I like them even on the road. All right. If there's not enough American football to bet on, you got three pack of picks uh, in the premier league Tottenham over Watford. Uh, Paul got it at minus 140. Always shop around crystal palace, West Ham, the over two and a half and then Liverpool to beat Chelsea game uh, between the third and second place teams in the premier league. Liverpool plus 130. You are a Miami Dolphins fan. We have 60 yes. seconds left here, Paul. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Lost seven in a row, won seven in a row. First team to ever do that. Obviously, they're in playoff position right now. If they win their last two games, big if, <laughs> Tennessee, New England, at Tennessee this weekend. Now three and a half point dogs, by the way. If they win them both, Brian Flores is the coach of the year, you think? Should win he win them be? both, you make, make the playoffs? Uh, boy. I, I'm going to say probably not just because, you know, he's like the coach of the half season in a sort of way, you know, you kind of lose some credit, I think, for starting that poorly. Uh, it depends a little bit what everyone else does. I'm trying to, in my head, kind of go through uh, the other possibilities. Um, 
but I, I think he'd have as good a case as anybody, really. As, you know, there's no standout candidate, I don't think, off the top of my head. You know, there hasn't been a dominant team. Uh, you know, most of the teams are roughly according to form. It's not like the, yeah, you know, I don't know, whatever. Raiders came out of nowhere and went yeah. 14 and two or 14 and three or something. Paul, I, br- um, I bring up NFL news, and apparently there's like breaking COVID news now. Why did, why did oh, I even bring it up? What What's going yeah. on? Yeah, Kirk Cousins, uh, as we know, unvaccinated. He just tested positive. Wow. He's out. Shh. I don't know who's starting for Minnesota. I guess Kellen Mond. Not certain, no. Wow. So unvaccinated. He's he's out of this game Sunday. He's out of this game Sunday. Well, we were within five days each either way. A game at Green Bay Sunday night. It's supposed to be three degrees. Whew. Grab that if you can before they take it down. Paul, sorry to end on that, but we appreciate the picks, my man. All good. Have a happy new year, Gil. You too. Happy New Year. Paul Carr, everybody, at Paul Carr, C-A-R-R on Twitter. True Media Network's Expected Value Podcast. NFL Talk next. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.